Hey guys, welcome to The Butter Dish. It's Natalie Dulaney and Heidi Bollard. And today we're joined with Sarah Tierney, also known as the Chubby CrossFitter. What's up, girl? I'm good. How are you guys? Not so bad. good. Yeah. We're so excited to talk to you. Um, I have to tell you, like, and, and we always kind of give people a little bit of an idea of like when we have certain guests on and your name was honestly what totally drew me to you. Like someone had tagged you in something and I'm thinking like, Ooh, I am intrigued because I feel like just even the word chubby alone, like there's so many like negative connotations to it that to own that in your Instagram totally. handle, plus it said CrossFitter next to it. And I'm like, this, this chick has got to be my, my people Yep, because I've always <laughs> considered myself a chubby CrossFitter. So tell us a little bit about your name and even like picking that handle and like really owning it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it came at the end of like 2017, 2018. I was part of, so I came out of the CrossFit gym and for budget reasons, it's really expensive um, at the time. And I joined street parking. Are you guys familiar with street parking? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. It for a while. Yes. Uh, so I joined them like pretty much when they were brand new and part of their community is they would post because you're working out from home that the community aspect was all online and all on Instagram. So I wanted to be a part of that, start posting videos and, uh, I don't, I honestly don't even know how I came across the name. I just, it just came to me, which actually is what a lot of my content does anyway. It just comes to me, changed my handle. Um, it's very memorable. So in street parking, I, I, I became friends with a lot of people and people started following me. It caught Miranda's attention and I got on Miranda's rain, radar. And just from there, it, I just kept documenting my entire journey from the beginning of 2018 to today. And that's where it came from. Like, that's how it manifested. Oh, so what was it about the process of actually like owning the word chubby in your name? Yeah. Um, so back, so Instagram was different back in 2018. There wasn't people, at least that I could find that looked like me that were doing CrossFit. It was all like CrossFit games, athletes and um, even in the street parking community, there was a lot of fit parents in there, a lot of fit young people in there that just didn't have my body type. So I knew that if people saw this Instagram handle, they could either say that's my person or not into that, what you think her content would be like. So it definitely brought my people to me without even trying. And I, it's funny because I used it as kind of like an empowering tool technique kind of thing. And what's funny is pretty early on, I had someone who works for this, like, I won't say their company, but this company that's well known in our space, the owner of it reached out to me and he tried making an argument about why it was a bad idea that I call myself that handle. He thought it was like degrading. So like I can appreciate him looking out for me, but I didn't know who he was. And so he tried convincing me that it was a bad idea that I have that handle. And I said, no, this is like, this is coming from self-love. It's coming from empowerment. Of course, I had a lot of body image issues at the time, but this was, this was me like claiming where I was right now and kind of like putting my head down, digging through and work on my stuff. And I thought it was empowering. So that's, that's how I utilized it. I love that so much. I think a lot of times that's how people feel us. Like they see butter and they're like, butter is fattening. Butter is not good for you. And I'm like, butter is amazing. And so therefore, yeah, we can be in this space a little bit like of like an oxymoron, so to speak, mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. want, but only because of what people perceive of it, not actually what it is. And so I think that you owning that is definitely one of the things that has completely drawn me to your page because I feel like there is a place where when we are accepting where we're at, then everything just builds off of that. Well, absolutely. And there's just nothing that's more refreshing to me than somebody who will, who is honest about them being in process because 
that's, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about your, whatever your fitness journey, your self-actualization, your healing or whatever is that there's always, it's so dimensional. There's always more. Um, and it's just so tired. All the, all the people on Instagram that are like, come, I'm at the top of the mountain. If you work hard, you can come to where I am, where there no bad feelings exist. And you know, it, this is self-esteem wonderland. And that is the biggest lie perpetuated on Instagram. I think. I think it's also interesting how like, especially in the space, you see a lot of people with, you know, da, 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 fitness, da, 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 fit. It's like you put that in your name as, as, as the hope that that projects that about your, your own personal image and like what you're trying yeah. to do for yourself. Yeah. But it's like, how many times, like, do you really truly believe that? Or is that just like something that conceptualize like you, you want to be that and they're not neither here, they're not bad or not bad, but I think there's definitely something about owning where you're at. Yes. Whether you feel like you're fit already, or that's your hope to be fit or have fitness in your life or, or be, you know, be an epitome of fitness that it's interesting because I feel like society's ideals make us like, if we assume that we're fit or we're in a fitness space and we're automatically accepted, Hmm. right. Where it's actually quite the opposite and quite contrary. I feel like this is actually the one space that you feel like you're always fighting to like for your own autonomy, right. About like being okay with who you are instead of being a copy cutter or sorry, a a cookie cutter version of like somebody else oh, yeah. and someone else's fitness page. Cause it's true. Like even just from down to the poses that people do, right? Oh, like everyone has like a twisted butt shot. <laughs> Although that, that hurts. I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's actually really painful. To do. <laughs> Never done one. Oh dude. Because it hurts. <laughs> 100%. Um, and that's, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I feel like that is so, what is again, so compelling about your name is that you, it, it does contrast these two, like CrossFit is so like, go hard, like take no prisoners. And so like the, the chubby in front of it, it does sort of call into question who gets to CrossFit. And if you're a CrossFitter, you know, everybody gets to CrossFit. Amen. Yes. That's exactly what the whole point of it was. And I wanted to capitalize that to get people more. Um, cause part, actually what kept me out of CrossFit for several years was I need to get in shape so I can go to the CrossFit gym. And then obviously you, that's not how it works. So I ended up joining CrossFit and I was at my most out of shape and it was the best decision ever. So. Well, totally. And then again, this, like this, this, um, this lie again, that like so many people believe that you can't, that you can, you can have a little extra weight and also be in shape. Like you Mm -hmm. absolutely can 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, we've said, we've repeated and repeated ad nauseum. Like when you're at your leanest, you're also at your weakest. So just, Mm -hmm. you know, be aware. <laughs> so what do you think that like, when you, what made you, first of all, like actually be like, okay, you know, I'm just going to sign up for CrossFit. I can't wait for this, this moment where I'm socially acceptable or like CrossFit yeah. acceptable to be there. And then how has it actually changed from 2018 or before that, where you were during CrossFit to now, as far as like your mindset about your body? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I don't, I think, um, I said no to a lot of things because I was scared, um, social wise. Um, and this was especially uncomfortable. So if like, if we back up a little bit, I used to, I used to be thin, like I was, um, 130 pounds in my early twenties. I ran, I weightlifted and then things personal wise happened that caused me to gain 60 pounds in 18 months. And that was from like, um, probably mid 2014 to 2015. And I was so, uncomfortable in my skin. Like this was the first time I had gained weight that had nothing to do with being pregnant. So I was very uncomfortable in my skin. I isolated myself socially and I don't know what it was. I think I just saw it at the right time, but my gym, my local CrossFit gym put out their 
like foundations class, like saying, sign up for this amount of money. You get foundations two weeks and then your first month free or something like that. And I just said like, let's, let's just do it. Let's do it. And it was amazing. And because of my weightlifting background, I knew how to do things already like, um, deadlift and kettlebell. Like I have, I was often doing the, um, demoing of the movements and foundations. Like I didn't know how to do things like clean or snatch at the time, but like you get better at that. And I think that was just a ego booster. So I continued going, but then like the weight wasn't coming off, believe it or not, like the nutrition piece was not being taken care of. So just crossfitting alone, I did get stronger. I did get a little bit smaller, but I was still uncomfortable in the gym. So that's when I switched to to street parking. Um, But ever since then, just seeing my PRs go up, seeing um, just like, you know, the other couple of weeks ago, I ran four miles. I technically weigh heavier more than I did when I started the chubby crossfitter handle. So it's, you're right. It's like, I can get stronger and fitter and faster and be able to do more without losing 60 pounds. Like I originally wanted to. Uh, and how, like, do you feel, I, I definitely have felt this way myself, but, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how, you know, you kind of think about like when you're investing, right? Like you want to diversify. And I kind of feel that same way with body image. I mean, they say the more things you base your self-esteem on the healthier it is. And I feel like for both Nat and I is just a huge pivot to, um, have athleticism sort of offset the focus on aesthetics, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of improving your overall body image. Did you feel that way? Like, again, like kind of being able to showcase these skills or acquire new skills, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And actually when I, when I dug more into my, my big thing over the past few years is like, why did I gain 60 pounds in the first place? And part of it was because of the body image stuff. And as I dug more into um, disordered eating. See, my thing was overeating. I know there's a crew out there of people who tend to undereat or restrict. Mine was the opposite. I, I go on the other extreme and I overeat. And so I wanted to know like, why, if I know what to do and I've ran a half marathon before, like, why is this so hard for me now? And when I dug into that body image is like the foundation of what causes like these overeating tendencies or undereating tendencies. And when we're so focused on aesthetics, it's hard to then fuel for athleticism. So that, so having to work on my body image in conjunction with then seeing these PRs in, in the gym, I was able to focus on my athleticism. And then once you start doing this really hard stuff, like how do you not leave not feeling bad about it? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I did 200 pound back squat. Like that was my, that was last year. That was my whole entire year. Dude, that's so freaking awesome. I can totally relate. It's just, it, it does. It just, it's just, I think of it as you could just feel it like a, another support under, underneath you. Like, um, and I, I think that's so interesting how you said the question, like, why is this so hard for me now? I feel like we hear that so much, like people comparing themselves to their over-adrenalized, anxious past selves and being like, why can't I do that anymore? I got so much done back then. Like I was so like, I, like I, um, you know, for me, a big one was people pleasing. It's like, why was I so able to just cater to people like constantly and get so service and so many, so many different things. It's like, because you did it for so long, that's why you can't do it anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, once you, once you have seen a different, once you have a different experience, um, once you start 
um, owning your own experience, getting to know yourself a little bit better. You can't go back to that place where all your value comes from outside. Exactly. And that's where it was back in the day. And, and of course it's easier when you're in your early twenties, you do care about what you look like more. And I don't know, there's something about turning 30 where <laughs> it's like magic, but like, it's, it's hard to say that. Cause it's not like you can go just tell your friends, just turn 30, just wait. Till you turn 30. <laughs> oh my gosh. But bro. It kind of does. Wait till you turn 40. Yeah, are you not 40 yet? Cause it's even oh, no. better. Oh, <laughs> 40, 40 is even better. 30, 30s were so magical, but 40s, you really don't care. You're oh, just dude, like, I mean, really your 40 is going to be freaking gorgeous for you. Oh. That is so awesome. <laughs> oh, I'm Cause so you're ahead. Good. You're fully ahead on your self-actualization. So there's a couple of things I actually <laughs> want to kind of circle back to. Cause I love what you said, you know, I would love to talk about like, weighing more and being an athlete. I think that people think that the leanest people are the most athletic, but in reality, that's not necessarily the case. Is it, is it possible? Of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like anything, but I think that some people think like, until I lose weight, I can't be this athlete that I want to be or until just ask any Thor's daughter. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Or just, or until like I have this kind of look, I can't really have confidence in like lifting things and things like that. Let's talk a little bit more about that because obviously the three of us have had a span of weight loss and weight gain over the years. And I feel like the one thing that strength training has provided is that you are an athlete the second you pick up a barbell and the second you pick up a dumbbell. And that actually doesn't have anything to do with how much you weigh. Mm-hmm. Like that's the cool thing I think about strength training. And one of the things that I love that like CrossFit taught me, is, I mean, yes, there's the whole like appreciate what your body can do more than what it looks like, but strength training is literally for everybody. Like it's non-discriminative. Yeah. If you lift it, it will build. Like if you want it, you can have it. If you want to back squat 200 pounds, all you got to do is work for it and Mm -hmm. it's yours. It's not like this elusive weight goal where people are like, oh, if I could only be, you know, 140 pounds. Does everybody think I'm pretty? Does like, yeah, all these these conditional things Mm -hmm. where like everything is just like, and it's not permanent either, but like with strength training, it's like, if you keep lifting it, you you can keep having it. Yes. And I don't know why people don't love the guarantees of that because I feel like it, you know, everyone gets to play when it comes to strength training. And I think that's why the three of us love it so much. It's like, it doesn't matter what I'm weighing that day, what I look like that day, how I'm feeling about myself. That's like the barbell does not care. Right. Well, and arguably the more you weigh, the more you can lift. So, you know, Mm -hmm. well, actually I want to, can I touch on that first? Yes, please. But you said, um, and I'm going to botch it. So I'll paraphrase like the, (laughs) the barbell doesn't care how much you lift. And I want to, can we, can we just talk about like Instagram PR videos for a second? Because sometimes I will lift a barbell, whether I'm trying to go for like a PR and a clean and I'll say, okay, 130, that's not, not that strong, but like, there's someone out there who can't do 130. Oh my gosh. Totally. How much is on the bar? It just knows that you're lifting something. So like, you know, the comparison, even it's bodies too, but also with seeing barbells and people moving weight, like that's great. We love seeing strong women, but at the same time, like if I can only strict press a hundred pounds, which is my one rep PR right now, it's my body doesn't know that it didn't, it doesn't care. It just knows that you're pushing it's you're giving it a stimulus and you're going to get better from that. Oh my gosh. Isn't that just like, I, I love that. I mean, it's kind of like the rate of perceived exertion, right? It's like, they haven't found a better way to, to measure your output then, or like, what is the right amount of output for you? Then you, then the RPE, which is completely subjective, right? So as long as it's hard for you, that's all that matters. Even if it changes throughout the month too. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So good. Right? You know, some girl asked me that he's like, what can I expect when I'm in period? I'm like, well, you're not going to really be PRing during that like cycle, week, but, <laughs> yeah. but the week after you're going to feel like, like the Hulk, right? Totally. It's amazing. But I love, I love that point because there, I do find myself doing that. I think sometimes even in, amongst 
you know, between Heidi and I, we definitely have lifts that we're stronger than. And obviously in your box, you feel that way too. Or even on Instagram, like sometimes you will see a girl who's like, like one of the girls that work for us, she can do 185 pound bench. And like, to me, that is just, that is like the equivalent of like, like my, like my I'm slack jaw thinking about it. Right. And so then when the other day, when I did like 125, I'm like, yeah, but it's not as much as Celeste can do. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. From like a progressive overload standpoint, Nat's body PR'd that. And so it is really freaking heavy for you. Well, right. And, and it's like, it's, we got to, why is it as women, we're always like qualifying things. It's like, well, my house is clean, but not as clean as hers. Well, totally. Or, I am cute, but not as cute as she is. It's like, <laughs> Oh gosh. Like, can we stop with that? Well, I think comparing is like, and that's a great example because you're comparing yourself to somebody who's like five inches taller than you. And I'm not even, Why does I'm not matter? even, I'm even joking. She literally is. <laughs> yeah. She's six feet tall. Yeah. So it's like, but, but that is also such a great, such a great example because the comparisons we make sometimes are that ludicrous. Right. But I, we've been conditioned as women to think we're competing for like a small amount of resources. So it's like, Oh, if she has it, then that means I don't or whatever. And it's like, it, it does take some undoing, unlearning. Um, and you know? shocker, once again, it's like when the conditions are met, right? And I think yeah. that like, as women, that is always like our default. Like, well, when I maybe have a 185 pound bench like Celeste, then the conditions are okay for me to like be, be to think I'm strong or to think that I've achieved something, but not until that pinnacle is reached, right? Mm. And especially within each other, right? It's like, I can be happy or I can be proud of myself when I have this. And that is like, the overarching problem with weight loss is that it's always conditional. And then at the same time, like weight loss and weight gain happens every single day. So it's like (laughs) the conditions of your happiness and your joy, whenever you hinge it on a weight loss goal or target or a number on the scale is so fleeting. Yeah. Right. Totally. So let's talk about that then. Let's talk about, especially with you two, I would love your thoughts on it. Like what let's talk about conditions and mm-hmm. our and our thoughts around our conditions and our and our joy and our happiness about our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you're a huge Brooke Castillo fan, as well as I am a huge Brooke Castillo fan. And that's one of the things she says is the only reason we ever want anything is because of how we think we will feel or not feel in the having of it. Um, so how like I mean, you I would love to know your thoughts on how this shows up in your coaching, how has this just shown up for you in terms of like this, this haunting overarching phrase, I'll be happier when. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it all comes down to, oh, so, okay. So I used to believe that. And so the first probably two years, two years of my Instagram account, um, my, so I started my Instagram account to kind of be like a weight loss motivation inside the CrossFit space, because there's really not a lot of weight loss. There's a lot of weight loss out there, but not in the CrossFit space. And so I did believe, and I was really adamant and people would try and point this out. And I was, I would say, no, you're wrong. That if like what, who I am today is unacceptable and I need to pursue X, Y, Z. And at the time I wanted to get back to the weight that I was before I gained it all. So 140 ish, 135 pounds. And I got to say, once I let that go, and realized, you know what, maybe we're putting this weight on a pedestal or we're putting younger Sarah on a pedestal. Once I like let go of that, there was just like immense relief. And I could just finally like sit into the journey and sit into the process. And I was, if, once I let go of being in a rush, I just felt again, relief is like the big thing that came over me. So the only thing that changed by the way, going from that mindset to this mindset is just changing my perspective. My body didn't change. It was more like I decided to change my thoughts, change my point of view, change my perception. 
And that is like what I really love about Brooke Castillo is she's like, you can, all the things that you think you can have when you're there. Like for me, I thought I was going to dress a certain way, hang out with a certain group of girls, date a certain kind of guy, have a certain kind of lifestyle, but only if I looked a certain way. And I decided that's baloney. I don't, I don't want to wait until I get there. I don't know how long it'll take till, till I get there. What I have to do to get there is actually a lot of suffering involved like the faster you want it, the harder you have to go. So when I decided, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do that now. I'm going to dress the way I want to now. And I started wearing crop tops this year. Um, I started wearing booty shorts in my garage gym. I don't (laughs) go in public with them, but I do wear them at home. Uh, When I just started dressing how I wanted, hanging out with the people that I wanted, dating the people that I wanted, like I could have that now without that condition. And I even wrote on my Instagram recently, I think I said, it's like, you want to be loved unconditionally by people around you, yet you still give yourself a set of conditions. Oh, we, yeah, absolutely. It's like in our minds, it's like, it's like lovable at like 155, but not lovable at 165. It's like no one else has those conditions, but you, and you're the only one putting that on people. Like Heidi's not like, Oh, Nat, you gain 10 pounds when you lose those, then we can be best friends again. Like, do you, (laughs) like, do you actually hear how ridiculous that sounds? Mm -hmm. But as somebody who's supposed to be your own best friend, that's exactly what you tell yourself, right? You're like, Sarah, you know, if maybe your hair was like about three inches longer, you would be valuable enough to hang out with. It's like, that's ridiculous. Like these terms and conditions that we put on ourselves, it's once again, it's like when the conditions are met, I can love myself or when the conditions are met, like people will be accepting of me as like all a bunch of like, it's a smoke screen. Yeah. So how did you change your mindset, Sarah? How did you do it? Oh, that's, that's such a great question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably a lot of things, right? But I'm, I'm just curious. Was there a moment where you were like, or, or a series of moments? Yes. I think people think that there's going to be an epiphany and maybe for some people there is, but for me, it was gradual realizations. It was being also, this is really important. It was being exposed to the same information over and over and over and over yes. again until I believed in it. Like how many times did I have to read what you just said, like Brooke Castillo's line before, like I was able to embody it. And honestly, we're not going to absorb information right away. We have to like be like, we have to see the same things or hear the same things over and over again, and then buy into it. And that's another thing too, is I can tell you all these things, but until you're ready to buy into it, until you're ready to believe it, it's not going to matter. So I think it's, I think it was a series of like seeing and in, in learning about mindset and body image and nutrition and all that, um, education's like really important and helped me, but also like being exposed to this information, being exposed to it by different people, hearing it from the right person also helps because if my best friend tells me one thing, but like I come and talk to you girls and you tell me another, like I may be more inclined to listen to you because you're not as biased as like my close friend, you know? Yes. So yeah, best yeah. friend, levels, those yep. are real. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to say that to me. Well, and you know? I, one thing or I you're wanna, just trying to make me feel better. Right. And one thing I kind of want to interject with what you're talking about and then please continue. It's like, unless you believe there's a problem and that you need help, you don't actually go out and seek it. Yeah. It's like, if you think the solve is always like just weight loss is what's mm-hmm. going to fix everything that you feel. And you actually don't believe like, I, it's really interesting how many people are like, oh, I actually don't need therapy or actually oh, I have totally. no traumas. I actually just, I actually don't really, I mean, how many times have you heard us in coaching? Like, I don't actually need mindset. It's like, okay. So we know that you need it more than everybody yeah. in here. Yeah. Because you, just you nominated because, yourself. Yeah. You just nominated yourself. Like you believe that there is no problem. So how can you fix something that you don't believe is real or exists? Or you think you're, or you're dead sure you know what the problem is and you're not willing to question it or be wrong about that. Um, 
I, I, there's so many things that I love that you said, and I definitely want you to continue, but I, I want to also highlight the part you said about repeating it, um, repeating the message. And I mean, this is, we find this in meditation and all different kinds of things of like, I mean, this is what it takes for neural pathways to be created. I mean, if I think this is one of the main things people, somebody didn't tell me about parenting. I had no idea how many times I was going to have to repeat myself. I feel like that should have been told right up in the beginning. <laughs> Cause you know, you have to tell, you have to repeat and repeat and repeat. This is where your shoes go or, you know, mistakes are okay or whatever it is repeating and focusing and redirecting and reframing and refocusing on what it is you want to believe, right? This is one of the things that people I think assume weight loss is going to give them, right? I will not feel these negative emotions anymore. And therefore the default will be amazing, right? Like I, instead of realizing like, no, you have to create something for, to, to defer to, right? Like it's not just the absence of negative emotions that is positive emotion, it's like if you if you're in a negative mindset or that negative thought patterns, you will just focus on something else. Like, oh, I lost the weight. Now I'm going to focus on my cellulite. Oh, I lost. Now I think I've airbrushed enough of my cellulite out. Now I'm going to focus on my wrinkles. It's like it's the negativity will always produce more negativity unless you're actually creating positivity and focusing on what what it is you want. Well, and ooh, how many times like the repetition is always weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, weight loss. So if you say it to yourself enough, you're really going to believe that that's the answer to everything. Totally. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So and you know what? There, so just to piggyback off what you just said, um, that negativity also like there it's, it, there's two sides of that story. There is that negativity, like let's work on that. Okay. Cause there's some people out there who are just bullies with themselves, but at the same time, negativity is always going to be there. Like it's not going away, whether you stay where you are now or you, you get there. Like it's, you're always going to have a negative body image day. You're always going to have a wish list somewhere like that's never going to go away so like one yes let's let's try and be positive and think better i think i think it's not even just like let's think more positively let's like think better let's do a better job at what's going through our head but at the same time when we do have a bad body image day or we are sad or angry or frustrated i'm super good at this now (laughs) wasn't back then but like if i'm having a bad body image day like I just carry that with me throughout the day. Like I like my backpack metaphor. I have this invisible backpack and I just stuff that in my backpack and I carry it with me. I'm walking through Target, uncomfortable in the clothes that I wore that day. So I'm just going to walk through Target uncomfortable. Like you can do that. You don't have to like sit home in shame or try to think positively. Sometimes it really is learning how to be uncomfortable and just moving on. To learning how to tolerate, tolerate it 100%. What you said just barely like, that's never going away. I think most women don't really realize that like the negative feelings, the self-doubt, the insecurity, like all of that, like that's never going to going to go away. It's sort of like thinking, well, how can I get better at public speaking? I know I'll like, I'll figure out how to make the fear go away. It doesn't go away. You have to bring it with you. They say they like, how many motivational slogans have we heard that we just kind of missed the point, like feel the fear and do it anyway, feel the discomfort and go to target anyways, like, Mm -hmm. and, and just be, um, be good enough to yourself to be, uh, be aware of that and to be willing to soothe yourself through, through it. Right. Like, um, I think one of the worst things I've done in my, so, but also I learned a lot from it was using my self-aware self-awareness against myself. Like, why aren't you, why, like, why are you still feel this this way? You idiot, you know, (laughs) or like, or like push the feeling away, push it away, like pretend it isn't there, put it on the shelf. Um, 
get into like, let it stress you out to get into like these different fixing behaviors. Right. Of, like, which is again, just believing that once the problem is fixed, I'll feel better instead of realizing like there is no problem. I'm a fluctuating emotional human being and I can notice what I'm feeling and support myself in my feelings instead of me- immediately feeling like, like these emotions are intolerable. Let me get them away from me. Right. Well, great. It's, right. Like, the it's whole... like a survival mechanism too. Like oh, as yeah. humans, we like, it's really just your brain trying to alert you. Something is wrong. And like, well, let's just acknowledge that that's, it's just trying to keep you alive or it's trying to keep you good and negative feelings are uncomfortable. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just thinking that how it's like so many people think like they're a problem to be fixed, right? And that negative emotion is a problem to be fixed, but in reality, it's just negative emotion. Yes. Like the best thing I've ever done for myself, probably in the last year, I'm just kind of practicing it, is just sitting in it. Like when Heidi knows that I've been kind of practicing, like I'm, I'm going to have a bad day and I'm just going to have a bad day. There's, no, there's nothing about it. Like mm-hmm. it's just a bad day. It, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a new day tomorrow. There was a great day the day before. Like sitting in my negative emotion and really just kind of honoring the mental space I'm in has been probably the most liberating and freeing thing I've done for myself last year because yep. I don't always have to feel good about myself. I don't always have to feel good about my kids or my husband or my work or, or you know, it's just... And the second I removed that pressure. pressure and that judgment to always be happy and good, I was able to get there faster Yeah, because it's just like anything. It's like, okay, so I'm going to like power through the dishes or power through the laundry. Like I don't have to feel good about doing the laundry or the dishes, mm-hmm. but when it's done, there is a feeling of like accomplishment and like you can breathe a little bit. And I think sometimes like sitting in the negativity and, and sitting where it's kind of uncomfortable is almost the most empowering thing you can do. And then you just get better and better at it the more you do it. And it's not about like, and people are thinking like, oh, well, I have a really strong sense of self-loathing, so I should be an expert by now. It's not about that. It's But you don't want, you're not okay with that. Mm. You think there's a, it's a problem to be fixed. It's not a problem to be fixed. The, there's no problem. Yeah, <laughs> Because exactly. you can't have positive days and positive emotions without the negative ones. Like they're, they're, they're both hand in hand, just like much like our bodies and our minds are, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I like to tell people too, um, especially when I get clients who are frustrated with the scale or frustrated that progress isn't happening fast enough, or they they are having a bad body image day. I tell them, this is like my favorite line is I'm like, nothing has gone wrong here. Like <laughs> this is part of, this is it. This You signed up for this. Nothing has gone wrong. You're not broken. Your coach isn't broken. The process isn't broken. Nothing has gone wrong. Like Let's just, you're allowed to be frustrated by the scale. We can still acknowledge like the facts about it, how it's not the best for, you know, temperature wise for body fat loss or gain or whatever, but like, it's fine. I'm laughing because I feel like we have a similar, similar train of thought in our program as well. Only we say nothing is effed. So here's a little more poetic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's so true. So let's talk a little bit more and like expand on this kind of concept that we're talking about is that, you know, truly loving your body, regardless of your perceived like fatness. Right. And then because, you know, the conditions, if their conditions are met, how can I be happy? Right. And then also like, how dare you be happy with fat on your body? Yeah. Who are you to feel good about yourself, Sarah? So there's two things with that. And so let's do that last one first. How like, People probably think, and this is how I used to think about body positivity influencers. I'm like this, this is just a cop out. Like you're you're settling. And there's two ways you can go with this. One, there is people who do need to come to terms with the body fat that's on their body for mental health reasons, for eat disordered eating reasons. They really do have to let go of the weight loss aspect because the weight loss aspect, like the the benefit of losing weight for health reasons versus like the mental health. Ha- 
health aspect of it, like it actually, it's not to their benefit. Like, does that make sense? Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, yes, you're, you're, basically, you're basically supporting the problem. It's like almost like supporting like the the the, the, the problem, the, the narrative that yeah. if I lose weight, then I'm healthy, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And and On the that, cost, like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's not even my perspective. That is what I have heard other mental health professionals say. This is what makes a good case for intuitive eating for these types of people. Mm-hmm. It's actually the weight loss like the, the cons to that outweigh what it's, they're just going to have a better quality of life to be honest, mental health wise, if they just let go of the weight loss and focus and stay where they're at right now, body positivity and all that. So that's a group of people and that's where the body positivity movement is. And I don't really align with them fully because that that's just not, you know, part of my story or, you know, I don't have that issue. Um, but now I forgot my train of thought for the other. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. No, yeah, and, we yes. keep, and let's keep going with that because I yeah. think it's interesting that you mentioned that it's like you know what do we tell people who when they ask like well how do I get over or how do I fix my relationship with food or how do I stop binge eating or how do I it's like get out of dieting? Yeah, stop dieting. The and pressure, the, the restriction, pressure, yeah, and is, that supports like your point. It's yes, like, it's not necessarily the path for everybody, and not everybody needs to do that, but a lot of people do. Well, right? and it's it's also times and seasons, right? Yes. Like if if you believe losing weight is going to make you a better person stop <laughs> and let's 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 get good let's get a little more accepting of where you are and then let's talk about goals because you know to your point you mentioned this earlier it's like when we when we start from a place of like I'm not good enough as is well then you're those good feelings you want you're never going to get them because it's, even if you get the weight loss you'll be so afraid you'll lose it and go back to that inferior version of yourself that you will never enjoy the supposed results or whatever so it's it really is you've got to i mean this this phrase i didn't really get it for a long time but like this idea of bringing your brain with you it's like that means being excited and happy and and satisfied with your progress at every step and not just like oh who cares about this i can't wait till i get to the next one you know which that is my favorite line. I, so I say, I don't say that I say you bring yourself with you. So if you kind of suck right now, you're going to suck just in a smaller body. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> what we were talking about earlier. You're oh not, gosh. But, I think that might be like the most profound thing you've said right? this whole podcast. It's like, holy crap. It's so true. If you hate yourself, you're just going to hate yourself in a smaller yeah, body. If you suck right now, you're going to suck this. <laughs> Sarah, I freaking love you. That's great. <laughs> okay. So let's see if we can jog that train of thought. Cause I know that you, probably interrupted by our like ADHD yeah, chatter. Know, so sorry. Like, how dare you be happy with fat on your body? Let's kind of go back there and let's see what that jogs for you. Or how can I truly love my body regardless of my perceived fatness? Mm. So let's, let's do that one. Cause I know where I want to, I know where I want to go with that one. Um, do I really want to know where I, where I want to go with that one? <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you are uncomfortable with the amount of body fat that's on your body, and let's be honest, like I, I'm uncomfortable with, with the body fat I have, I have on my body. Like I really am scared about my arms. They're my least favorite body part. And, um, you know, my belly, you know, my thighs are my thighs and cellulite doesn't really bug me, but like upper body, I want a strong muscular toned upper body. I know we don't love that word toned, but that's like, people understand what that means. Yes. <laughs> well, you, well, you see that and they automatically know what it looks uh-huh. like in their heads. Of course. It, yes. So here's the thing when it comes to like, how can I love myself or how does Sarah love herself with this body fat on her? It's like, well, listen, when you give yourself a set of conditions, like we were talking before, you are complicit. Like that is you being complicit 
in your condition setting. So you have to, it's like, we have these body standards, especially as women, we know what they are, right? We know what um, the ideal female physique for the most part looks like for many women. And you have to buy into those. Like it's not enough for the media or social media to put them on a pedestal. We also have to buy into it and believe that that's true. And then when we use that standard against ourselves is when trouble happens. Yes. So, so with me, no, I don't like the body fat that I have in my arms, but I'm also not using that against myself to keep doing what I'm doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. I love it. I think that's super powerful. It's almost like the question of like, how do you exercise when being thin is not the goal? It's like, it's like, how do you still lift weights? If like your arms are never going to be super ultra jacked and defined, it's like, well, you just keep going because you found love in the exercise or found love in movement and being strong and push pressing. Yes. It's like, and feeling connected to your body, this body that has been perceived through the lens of so many conditions for so long. Let's like pause. Like, cause I love how you're like, I don't really care about the cellulite. My legs are my legs. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that all of us have that kind of thing where it's like Heidi and I were probably earlier this year, she, we were driving to CrossFit one morning and she's like, I think I've just kind of come to terms with the fact that cellulite is just going to be there. Right. Oh yeah. And then I was sitting there the other day thinking like, I'm always going to have belly fat. Like I'm going to have belly fat. It's kind of like I did that reel of the day. It's like, is your belly, you know, flat? Like, yes, it is. But the L is silent. It's like, I'm always (laughs) going to have belly fat. Like, and I feel like the sooner we come to terms with these things that are on our bodies, the, we can take them off of our plate Mm -hmm. of like our punishment plate. It's like, you have cellulite. Okay. You've got cellulite. Okay. I've got belly fat. All right. And what? Well, and, and what exactly. And like what you also said earlier about putting weight loss on some, um, pedestal or even being our leanest on some pedestal where I feel like I learned the hard way. I mean, I got pretty lean last year. Um, and it cost me dearly, like dearly. I, I had some serious anxiety attacks and stuff like that. And I'm, I mean, I'm a macro professional, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, but it's, it's doesn't just because I know about that kind of stuff doesn't mean it doesn't mean it. it's just like, kind of like knowing your triggers doesn't mean you're not triggered by your triggers. Like it's, it's kind of involuntary. Right. So, um, just realizing that. So with this whole, like longing for your best results, I, thank goodness have I'm spared that at this point, because I know like anytime I think about that, you know, I'll see a video or whatever because us on Instagram are flooded with images of ourselves constantly. Right. It's a blessing and a curse. Um, yeah. Seeing when I, when I wish for that, I remember the package deal and it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Can I touch on something that you said, you said that you were at your leanest last year, but it was also like everything else is kind of falling apart. There's this messaging out there that there is a lot of messaging out there. that's like being super lean isn't healthy. To be honest, that message never, I never, I didn't care at the point. So I think we have to acknowledge that there's women out there who are like, I don't, I don't care that I'm not at my healthiest when I'm at my leanest. I really want to look that way. But here's the thing, like that you're imposing that on yourself. If you, if you think that way, I impose it on myself and I, you don't have to buy into being lean is going to be happier and you're going to sacrifice your health. I know a lot of women who are willing to be miserable and sacrifice their health and sacrifice their menstrual cycles just to look like that. And it's, it's so sad because you have, they have to be 
open to change. Like there's nothing you and I can say to, to Absolutely. you have to be ready. I, I 100% almost agree. To, you almost have to experience it like in order to like really internalize it, just like anything, like people can tell 100%. you that, you know, having babies is X, Y, Z, but until you really have them, like yep. you don't really, really know. And to your point, I think it's true. Like people are like, when we're like, Oh, you're, you know, your leanest is not going to be your happiest. How many people are like for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's adorable that you couldn't be happy at the leanest <laughs> because I guarantee you that if I got to be my leanest, I would be happy. And they, yeah. and they really truly believe that. And, no. and there's nothing wrong with that belief because until you really tried it or lived it, you don't know that that's not real. It's like, it, it's uh, 100%. Like I thought, I mean, that's why I did it because I was like, Oh, this will be, this will be fun. Well, that's <laughs> the craziest thing. It's like, she and I both did deficit at the same time. And I felt like I was really ready to pay the piper because it was like, I'm going to do this. I'm great in a deficit. I have the work ethic to achieve this. And I actually didn't get it. And that was something that I learned. I probably had the first you know, set of disordered eating thoughts that I've ever had in my entire life, you know, much like yourself, I'm definitely an overeater by nature. Like I am not an undereater. I mean, I was always of the mindset that like, well, I'm fat. I might as well enjoy it. Like I love food and I'm going to be this weight anyway. So I'm going to overeat. I'm not going to undereat. Why would I do that? Like I, you know, things like that. And so it's interesting how even in the pursuit of it, you know, we talk about like the cost of being lean, the cost of wanting to be lean and the cost of actually being lean, they all cost something uh-huh. like that you, you pay some way, right. Whether yep. it's emotionally, mentally, physically, and so she, here we were chasing this leanness together. You know, she, she had achieved it. I didn't achieve it, but it still cost me dearly even to not get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's once again, until you really experience that, it's hard to, to really believe that that's the truth, but there is a painful, a painful payment that comes with that kind of mindset that you almost can't really recover from it, it's a tra- I feel like it's a trauma of sort right like it, it's something that you're like I feel still even find myself going back to like last year and thinking about that and thinking like why did you do that why did you do that to yourself like you were in such a good place like you know you had like this this work ethic that you like you know maybe it's like also bad like I kind of identified with my work ethic like I'm great in a deficit I can do hard you want to throw 19,000 steps at me as an average I got that like, you fully are a masochist I, I, I am a masochist know. this way and I, and I hit that but it wasn't even enough to get what I wanted which really was defeating to me it's like I did the 1100 calories I did the 19,000 steps I did work out five days a week and I still didn't get it and how many women are in this place where they are they're willing to sacrifice their whole life for this leanness because this is what brings joy mm-hmm. but not only do they not get it or sometimes they do get it and then you're stuck with another problem of like your emotional bandwidth being sucked from you yeah. and having to recover from that right? 100%. And these shifts can be so subtle. I mean, I, I would have thought with all my work on self-awareness, I would have thought I would have known (laughs) that I was doing that to myself, but it's, it's pretty, these slopes can be awfully slippery. And sometimes you just don't know, like sometimes you can stress yourself out until it all comes crashing down. And sometimes you don't know how stressed you are until you have a moment of, of not being stressed. I mean, when I started meditating a few years ago, that was, that showed me how stressed I am regularly. But then again, you, this perspective can be slippery. Absolutely. But I really like what you said. Sometimes you do have to experience it and kind of trip yourself, uh, to realize, okay, like this hurts and I don't want to be here. And they were right all along. And I, I have many of those moments where I was like, like Miranda going back to street parking, she was really a big influence on me in my first couple of years. And she said a lot of things that I was like, Miranda, like I get it. You're, you're awesome. But like easy for you to say like ex CrossFit games athlete, but like now I'm like, she was right the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what did she say to you? I'm curious. Like, what did she tell you? 
Oh, I don't, it's, it's, it was a series of like conversations that we had in, you know, either her DMing me or commenting on my posts or her saying things in her posts that were, uh, that were, um, contradicted to how I thought. So I wouldn't even say it was her necessarily saying something to me, but, um, and, and actually there was a few times, but I can't pick up on one singular sentence. It's just her philosophy on nutrition and, and the athletic lifestyle. And now her being a mom, like I just, the whole, like, you're not going to be happy when you have a six pack easy for you to say when you have a six pack easy for you to say when you got your six pack back after your first and second child, but she's right though. She's right. And I, I know that, um, even though I've never achieved a six pack now, I know I don't have to, in order to be, you know, fulfilled as an athlete. 100%. 100%. I mean, it's just, again, it's one, it's a condition and it's like, if that's what your self-esteem is based on, then you can just add that to the list of things you're going to have to maintain before you, you know, so to keep yourself from criticizing yourself. But again, those negative thought patterns, it's like your, your brain will just come up with something else, you know? So yeah, you solve the six pack. Yeah. So you solve the six pack, six pack, then your brain will just obsess about something else, you know, again, unless you are proactively creating and like you're owning your story and owning and accepting who you are. It's easy to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, so can we go down that road, that yes. rabbit hole? So this whole, like, how do I accept myself though? If I want to change, I really like this kind of metaphor. So people take really good care of things that they love, right? Like you, we all know that car guy or the, the <laughs> guy that's always like mowing his lawn or the landscaping. Like when you love something, you take care of it. Um, so if you were to go and get a, like my brother's a car guy. So if he goes and gets like a crappy car, he can fix it up. And cause he loves to do that. It's, it's easy for him to take care of those things. And I kind of view that as my own body. And actually let's take the kids for an example. Like I love my kids. I don't like them all the time, but I still take very good care of them. Right. And so the same thing had happened with ourselves. Some days I won't like, you know, the way that I look that day or my clothes, which is, by the way, we look exactly the same pretty much every single day. It's just your perspective that's changed. Oh, so sure. that's another thing that you don't want to react to the negative emotions you're having because nothing has changed except your point of view for a host of reasons. But like, so if I want to look a certain way or behave a certain way, it's not going to come from dislike or, or hate. If that would have worked, it would have worked by now. Yeah. <sighs> Right. Oh, yeah. I know it says like if, if self-loathing works, she would be an ultra wise supermodel by now. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, yeah. And we, what I've been chasing after this since like sixth, seventh grade. And I've, oh. I've been dieting since sixth or seventh grade and it hasn't ever worked. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. It's funny you bring that up. I was like, I have been trying to dress around my stomach since I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost been like 30 years. I think I'm good. I think I'm, I think I finally have paid the piper. Like I'm good. You know, like I I don't have to do this anymore. It's like, it is what it is. Like I tucked my shirt in the day and I had my pooch there. I'm like, what's up? (laughs) Like, we're just going to be out and about for the rest of like, you know, the next 30, 40 years. We're good now. You know, the funny thing is, is I see women on Instagram who do do that. And I don't think anything of it. Like these girls in these different body types, cellulite or bellies or whatever, like they look fine. Like, it's, it, we just do it against ourselves. We just make it seem like it's so dangerous for anybody to see us like that. I mean, to your point about the cellulite, like I can, that was a moment for me. I can remember it exactly. Like somebody from our gym had posted a picture of me from, I mean, I was in the background of the picture and it was just like, you know, rolls, cellulite, just like the most unflattering angle you could imagine. And I was like, that's it. I'm not wearing shorts anymore. 
That's it. And kind of like you're kind of like in my garage thing, like you were saying earlier. And I think that that's also like a great thing to, to own about yourself is like, I, what you will and will not be vulnerable with in certain situations as a, as an honor to yourself. Right. Um, especially when Instagram, that can be this compulsion to like share everything, you know? And anyways, um, yeah, that was that it did kind of mess me up for like a year and I'd never even like really thought about, uh, cellulite or any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, there is, there comes a point where it's just like, whether it's the other self-esteem pillars that you're relying on, whether you're, you've done thought work, whether or not you're, you're revisiting all of the childhood stuff, all of the early 20s stuff. And you're like, you're getting more acquainted with your story and what you've been through and what your body's been through. And you're building that relationship. It's like, I mean, uh, an unflattering photo of my butt, like that's got nothing on the relationship that I've built with myself, you know? And I bet, and that was just a snapshot. Your butt probably looks great most of oh, the time. It was just that one angle, that one time. It doesn't, but the butt's inside the point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we can always, we can always find unflattering pictures of ourselves, but they're super easy to come by. Um, mm-hmm. And what is this obsession we have with like looking good or looking perfect or appearing all to, you know, we got it all together. And again, like that, that Instagram thing of like, I have all the answers. I fixed it all. I, you know, I'm, I'm perfect. It's like, that's just, that's not a, that's not a thing. It reminds me of that. Um, talk about botching quotes. Um, there's a line from the Velveteen rabbit about how, you know, I don't know if you remember the premise of the story, but there's like the old loved toy and then the new toys that come in and, um, the, one toy is one old toy is talking to another. And it's like the, the more loved you are, you're going to have like patches of fur missing in certain places and like one eye and whatever, because you've been loved. But, and that when you've been real, you can never be ugly except for to people that don't understand. Mm-hmm. Love that. Gosh, man. And on that, <laughs> love that. Oh, you are so much fun. Seriously. Yes. Fun. Can't wait to have you back on Sarah. This was fantastic. Right. One question. Are you guys going to Wadapalooza? Oh, when, when is that? January. Oh, in Florida, right? <gasps> okay. Let's talk off and, and we'll figure yes. this out. But tell um, everyone where to find you. Yes. Uh, yes. You can find me on Instagram at the chubby crossfitter. Um, my nutrition coaching company is hard house nutrition. If you're interested in nutrition coaching and yeah, that's where I'm at. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you guys. It was so fun.